Chapter Twenty One of the Call of the Wildflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Call of the Wildflower by Henry Salt. Chapter Twenty One A Northern Moor. Where tease and tumult leaves his source, thundering over cauldron and high force. Scott. A first glance at the bleak and inhospitable moorland of Upper Teesdale would not lead one to suppose that it is famous for its flora. No more desolate-looking upland could be imagined. The great walls stretch away monotonously, broken only by a few scars that overhang the course of the stream, and devoid of the grandeur that is associated with mountain scenery. No houses are visible, except a few white homesteads that dot the slopes, their whiteness, it is said, being of service to the farmers when they return in late evening from some distant market and are faced with the difficulty of finding their own doors. Its wildness is the one charm of the place. In that it is unsurpassed. But this bare valley, botanically regarded, is a bit of the far north, interpolated between Durham, Westmoreland, and Yorkshire, where the Teesdale Basalt, or Windstone, affords an advanced station for many rare plants of the highland type as they trend southward. And there, for five or six miles, from the upper waterfall of Cauldron Snout to that of High Force, the banks of the Tees with the rough pastures, scars, and fells that form its border, hold many floral treasures. The first flower to attract attention on these wild lawns is that queen of violets, the mountain pansy, Viola lutea, not uncommon on many midland and northern heaths, but nowhere else growing in such prodigality as here, or with such rich mingling of colors, orange-yellow, creamy-white, deep purple, and velvet-black, till the eye of the traveller is sated with the gorgeous tints. To the violet tribe this pansy stands in somewhat the same relation as does the bird's-eye primrose to the primulas. It is a mountain cousin, at once hardier and more beautiful than its kinsfolk of wood and plain. Seeing it in such abundance, we can understand why Teesdale has been described as the gardener's paradise. But the expression is not a fitting one, for gardener suggests trowel, and the nurseryman is the sort of peri to whom the gates of this paradise ought to be for ever closed. But perhaps the first stroll which a visitor to Upper Teesdale is likely to take is by the bank of the river just above High Force, and here the most conspicuous plant is a big sanfoie, the Potentilla fruticosa, a shrub about three feet in height bearing large yellow flowers. Rare elsewhere, it is in exuberance beside the teas, and I remember the amused surprise with which a dalesman regarded me when he saw my interest in a weed that to him was so familiar and so cheap. But the smaller notabilities of the district have to be personally searched for. They do not obtrude themselves on the wayfarer's glance. On the Yorkshire side of the stream stands Crunkley Scar, 
a buttress of the high moor known as Mickle Fell, and here in the wet gullies may be found such choice northern plants as the alpine meadow rue, the Scottish asphodel, tolfidia, a small relative of the common bog asphodel, and the curious viviparous bistort, another highland immigrant bearing a spike of dull white flowers and small bulbs below. The fell above the scar is a desolate tract, frequented by golden plover and other moorland birds. On one occasion, when I ascended it, I was overtaken by a violent storm of wind and rain, which compelled me to leave the further heights of Mickle Fell unexplored, and to retreat to the less exposed pastures of Widdebank on the opposite side of the Tees here a broad but shallow mountain stream which in dry weather can be forded without difficulty but becomes a roaring torrent after heavy rains in the course of two short visits one in mid-july the other in the spring of the following year i twice had the opportunity of seeing the river in either mood first in unruffled tranquillity then in furious spate it is in may or early june that teasdale is at the height of its glory for the plant which lends it a special renown is the spring gentian perhaps the brightest jewel among all british flowers small but a true alpine and of that intense blue which signalizes the gentian race here this noble flower grows in plenty, not in wide profusion like the pansies, but in large and thriving colonies, not confined to one side of the stream. It was on the Durham bank that I first saw it, one of those rare scenes that a flower-lover cannot forget, for the blue gentians were intermingled with pink bird's-eye primroses, only less lovely than themselves, and close by were a few spikes of the alpine Bartzia, whose sombre purple was in marked contrast with the brilliant hues of its companions. Of this rare Bartzia I had plucked a single flower on my previous visit to the same spot, but then in somewhat hurried circumstances i had been crossing the wide pastures near Widdebank farm in company with a friend who having heard rumours of the temper of teasdale bulls had unwisely allowed his thoughts to be somewhat distracted from the pansies we were in the middle of a field of vast extent when i heard my companion asking anxiously is that one it certainly was one not a pansy but a bull, and he was advancing towards us with very unfriendly noises and gestures. We therefore retired as quickly as we could, without seeming to run, he slowly following us in the direction of the river, and there, under a high bank, over which we expected every moment the bulky head to reappear, I saw the alpine Bartzia, and stooped to pick one as we fled, my friend mildly deprecating even so slight a delay. Now, however, on my second visit, I was able to examine the bank at my leisure, and to have full enjoyment of as striking a group of flowers as could be seen on English soil gentian, bird's-eye primrose, alpine bartia, and, as if these were not sufficient, the mountain pansy running riot in the pasture just above. 
So far I have spoken only of the plants which I myself saw. There are other and greater rarities in Teesdale, which the casual visitor can hardly expect to encounter. The yellow marsh saxifrage, Saxifraga herculis, occurs in two or three places on the slopes of Mickle Fell. So, too, in limestone crevices does the mountain avens, Dryas octopetala, and the winter green, Pyrola segunda, while on Little Fell, which lies further to the southwest, towards Appleby, the scarce alpine forget-me-not is reported to be plentiful. I was told by a botanist that, in crossing the moors from Teesdale to Westmoreland, he once picked up what he took for a fine clump of the common star saxifrage, and afterwards found to his surprise that it was the alpine snow saxifrage, saxifrage nivalis, which during the past thirty years has become exceedingly rare both in the Lake District and in North Wales. The haunts of the rarer flowers are not likely to be discovered in a day or two, nor yet in a week or two. It is only to him who has gone many times over the ground that such secrets will disclose themselves. But even the passing rambler must be struck, as I was, by the number of noteworthy plants that Teesdale wears, so to speak, upon its sleeve. The globe-flower revels in the moist meadows, so too do the water-avens and the marsh saint foix nor is the butterfly orchis far to seek, and though the yellow marsh saxifrage may remain hidden, there is no lack of the yellow saxifrage of the mountain, saxifraga azoides, to console you, if it can, for the absence of its rarer cousin." the cross-leaved bedstraw, Gallium boreali, another north-country plant, luxuriates on low wet cliffs by the river. Last but not least, in the later months of summer, is the mountain thistle, Carduus heterophyllus, or the melancholy thistle, as it is often called, a title which seems to have small relevance, unless all plants of a grave and dignified bearing are to be so named. Do men expect to gather figs of thistles, that they should demand the simple gaiety of the cowslip, or the primrose from such a plant as this, whose rich purple flowers, spineless stem, and large particolored leaves, deep green above, white below, mark it as one of the most handsome, as it is certainly the most gracious and benevolent of its tribe? As I walked down the valley on a wet morning in July, to take train at Middleton, twenty-four hours of rain had turned the river through which I had easily waded on the previous day into a flood that was terrifying both in aspect and sound. It was no time for flower-hunting, but even then the wonders of the place were not exhausted for along the hedgerows I saw in plenty that same stately thistle which in most districts where it occurs is viewed with some interest and curiosity, but in Teesdale is a roadside weed, subject, I was shocked to observe, to the insolence of the passers-by, who, knowing not what they do, maltreat it as if it were some vulgar pest of the fields, a thing to be hacked at and trampled on. Even so, I saw in it a discrowned king, who— nothing common did or mean. 
End of chapter 21